You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com. Folks, we are now in the month of April. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. If you are on our Bride Ministries discipleship waiting list. You have already received by this point an email saying you can sign up. I will tell you, we have been selling those seats really, really fast. And by the time this program posts, I'm not even sure we'll have seats left at the rate they're selling. But pr- praise God, uh, they are going quickly uh, people have seen the value of these discipleship courses, folks. I am telling you, we have just seen testimony after testimony come in. Why? Because as those that have participated have gone through the courses of grace in Christ, the kingdom of God and spiritual warfare, they have come out with new paradigms. They have come out with empowerment and faith on another level, a new approach to life that uh, is full of confidence. They've been equipped, in other words. They have been equipped. And, you know, it's just amazing to me how uh, a year ago I launched, well, a little more than a year ago at this point, I, I launched the discipleship for the first time. I think there was 15 or 16 people involved in that in that first go-around of discipleship split between two groups on Google Hangout chats. In this last round, we had over 240 people on the waiting list. And that just speaks uh, volumes, uh, folks. It, it just speaks volumes. And unfortunately, there's only 120 seats 
that are going to be available for this round of discipleship, which means half of the people that are on the waiting list, if you don't sign up in time, you, you just won't simp- you simply won't have a seat. And I'm sorry about that. Uh, we are growing this thing. So in the future, we'll be offering multiple classes simultaneously. In other words, there'll be more than one grace class, more than one in Christ class, more than one kingdom class, more than one spiritual warfare class, all running at the same time. And how are we going to do that? Well, we're just going to keep graduating people through the four classes, finding those that feel comfortable, want to teach. We're, we're trying to release people and their giftings and callings and everything. And we're going to equip them to teach the courses. <clears throat> and that way, we are going to be able to expand and allow for more and more people to go through this material, which is just revolutionizing lives. So, folks, really exciting stuff about discipleship. Discipleship is our endeavor to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So anyway, uh, in addition to that, what's the really exciting thing? Well, the really exciting thing is that this e-church that we have been talking about is being established. We are in the process now of running prototype services and beta tests for and in anticipation of our official public release. And the launch date, the official public launch date is slated right now for April 15th. Yes, that's right. That's next week, Friday. That's next week, Friday, April 15th. And Man, oh man, uh, we are going to be doing the training this weekend with all of our volunteers that for, for the moderator job. <laughs> and and we're going to be running a couple more beta tests just to make sure everything is working. All of our ducks are in a row. Folks, by the time Friday, April 15th arrives, unless some kind of huge calamity strikes, you will be able to visit www.thefireplacechurch.org. That's www.thefireplacechurch.org and watch the first live service. And with this e-church, the revolution is that it's not just going to be a video that you watch. And walk away from it and say, well, that was nice. That was just another video of the millions and millions and millions of uh, YouTube videos of preachers preaching this, that, and the other thing. No, no, no. This is going to be an experience, an encounter. It's going to be a community building platform. So in this service, which will be at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, again, unless something crazy ridiculous goes on, which we are praying against in Jesus' name. Um, you will go, you will watch, there will be an intro, there will be a worship service where you are able to engage in worship in the privacy of your own home with those that gather with you. We've produced it. Like I said another week, we, we produced this stuff in Michigan, praise God. I'm in Texas, we filmed in Texas, produced in Michigan, built the website in New Zealand. This thing is just pretty intense. I've, I've been working really hard, folks. Um, and you might be able to even tell by my voice. <laughs> but the thing is, uh, this has come together. We are on track to finish April 15th. And after that worship, you will find some vision casting as well as the message that will be there every week. Now I'll be teaching the first series of messages for at least the first two months. So you'll just <laughs> get a lot of Dan Duvall, but at least 
50% of you that listen to this program like me, so that shouldn't be too much of a problem, I hope. And then following that, you will be portaled. And that's funny, portaled, because I'm going to be talking about portals today. Portaled into discussion groups, moderated, internet-based discussion groups, where you will be able to engage in dialogue about the things you have learned with people from around the world. And so that element of our e-church makes it unique. No one else is doing it like this that I am aware of. And I've looked. I haven't seen it. Maybe someone will say, ah, Daniel, I found one. But I don't think so. We may very well be the first people to ever create this kind of e-church platform in the world. How exciting is that? Revolution is happening right before our eyes. For all the people that we've contacted, no one's communicated to us that there's anyone else out there doing what we're endeavoring to do. Actually, some of the more technical elements of this, people are like, wow, never had to build this before. Never had to figure out how to do that one before. It's really, really cool. So we are really pioneering here, Um, but we're not new to pioneering. We're pioneering in the area of finding help and creating help for those with dissociative identity disorder. We're, we're pioneering there as well. Um, we're, we're pioneering in the message of the kingdom. Right? We're, we're, we're pioneering basically at every place that God tells us to. Without fear, we are moving ahead. And, you know, I, I said weeks ago, I said, you know, I don't really have the money. I just have a word from God. April 1st, he wants a prototype service up by April 1st. We did it by March 31st. Praise God. And you know what? Um, that prototype went fairly well. Yeah. How did that prototype service go, Dan Duvall? You're talking about that, but I didn't get an email. I didn't get, well, we didn't send any. It was a private test. It was a closed group um, beta test. And there were some problems and we identified those and we were able to work out those bugs and we are moving forward and working on all kinds of other stuff um, in preparation of the public release on April 15th. So if you didn't get an email, you weren't supposed to. You didn't miss anything. The prototype was a simply, it was pressing play on a website and making sure things were on track. And it was, for the most part, with some problems. Um, if we had done a <laughs> public release on April 1st, we would have had mega problems. So let's just praise the Lord. Um, it is right on schedule. We, we made our deadline and now we have another deadline, public release April 15th. And we are in the name of Jesus going to meet that deadline as well. So with that said, um, we're just excited for a, a lot of reasons. And, and I said, you know, I don't have the money to pay for this. And I, I really, it's not in the budget. We, we can't even anticipate that this kind of increase in giving and in donations or whatever is going to be present to underwrite the cost of this project. But I said, you know what? That doesn't matter. I have a word from the Lord. I have a mission. I have an assignment. So I'm going to do it by faith. And the the amazing thing, folks, is that as I have said, you know, I'm going to do this by faith. We're just going to build this. We're going to build this platform. We're going to build this teachers for all of you that have said, Daniel, we don't have community. We can't find the teaching. We are looking for something more. For all of you that contacted us saying we're looking for that, God said, you know what, build it. And we've built it. And it, without the budget, without, without the guarantee that there would be some kind of thing, kind of thing there, some kind of safety net. 
and we've been doing it debt free. You guys have stepped up in ways I could not have anticipated. I, I couldn't have planned this out. I couldn't have said, yeah, you know, I definitely can count on the fact that we're going to raise tens of thousands of dollars above and beyond our operating budget next month. You guys have stepped up in such a major way and we have seen gifts come in. It's just been such a blessing. It's been wow moment after wow moment just to see the Lord manifest himself to us as Jehovah Jireh, the provider. And he's been using you. And so I just want to say, as always, thank you for partnering with us. You're allowing us to do this thing debt-free. You're allowing us to do this thing that really is going to bear great fruit this platform realistically could be reaching thousands within months and um it's it it just has the potential to bear so so much fruit it, it could be bigger than that we we could be tens of thousands we could have one of the largest churches in the country in no time it's it's just that amazing what the internet really does allow you to do and so with that said www.thefireplacechurch.org April 15th I'll see you there I'm going to be going to a quick break when we come back we're going to be talking about portals you're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall Today, we are going to be getting into the subject of portals. Why? Well, folks, I just so happen to believe that there's been a lot of language. Language that's been taken and squatted on by the New Age, by the occult, by practitioners of esoteric practices They've been squatting on it, but really, we as Christians have the legal right to it, and, and, and we also have the ability to engage it with the power of God. We just haven't, because we've been so superstitious, we've freely offered many things over to the powers of darkness and say, well, you could just camp on the whole thing. We'll just sit over here with our Skittles and Pez and let you guys dominate everything spiritual. It's pretty ridiculous. And I think that the subject of portals is a big part of this. 
And the problem is because this language has been so used and capitalized by the occult, Christians don't even want to engage in discussion on this subject. While it is so absolutely biblical, it is almost ridiculous to think that there will be people that believe that it is not. And so I meet Christians sometimes and, you know, I might pick up the word portal and they'll look at me funny and they'll say, well, what do portals have to do with Jesus Christ in the Bible? And I actually love this question. You know why? Because my response is going to be, Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, Let me tell you. Because it's just all over the Bible. There's so much. There's so much to say. There's so much to learn. There's so much value in this conversation. But when you're superstitious as a Christian, you just won't find it. What you'll do is you'll sit in a pew and settle for the same old, same old that gets you nowhere and gets nothing actually done in the spirit realm. You'll never let the Lord instruct you on some of the higher principles. Now, portals por- portals are really, really awesome because when we begin to understand portals, we begin to understand how transactions occur in the heavens. You see, a portal is nothing more than a doorway or a gate or an entrance. That, that's what the word portal actually means. And when we're talking about biblical portals or heavenly portals, what we're talking about is a way of transferring things or persons, elements, from one realm to another, from one plane to another, from one place to another, across dimensions. They can be looked at as wormholes in some cases. I I see portals all over the Bible. And we're going to be getting into a lot of them today because one of the things that I have found is that the more we are able to understand about the mechanics of how the spirit realm actually works, the the more we as Christians can be effective in engaging it out of our identity in Christ Jesus. You know, engaging the spirit realm is something that we were designed to do. Why? Because we are spiritual people. We're peculiar people. The Bible says the Lord, the Father, is now seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. See, God didn't even want worshipers that aren't worshiping in spirit. We've tried to boil Christianity down to a 3D religion. A religion that exists in the 3D world whose rituals somehow appease or appeal to a higher dimensional God. What we have failed to do is to see how we exist as a trans-dimensional church, having activity that extend into the very realms of God. The Bible says we are citizens in heaven from which we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Philippians 3.20. You can't be a citizen in heaven waiting for Jesus Christ to return from that place unless you are actually there. And that's the whole point. The church, we don't understand where we are. We don't understand who we are. We don't understand who we work for. We don't understand whose power is the highest. We just sit here. We end up defeated by the devil Uh, totally dominated by people using counterfeit methods of hacking the spirit realm when we have been given the true authority and power by the one whose name is above every name. It's ridiculous. It's nonsense. Anyway, 
portals are part of the conversation on spiritual transactions. I, I love this passage in the New Testament in the book of Revelation chapter 1. John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You know, many people think that being in the Spirit simply means that you are an occult practitioner practicing astral projection. Astral projection is a cheap counterfeit. It's lame. It has nothing on the genuine, which is God moving through the trans-dimensional nature of a person's human spirit. It's amazing. What you don't realize is the fact that Bible says, Ephesians 2, 6, God has raised us up and seated us with Christ in heavenly places. There is a portion of your spirit that is connected into heavenly places. And when you connect into that portion of your spirit as a believer, you actually begin to engage heaven without leaving your body. The Bible says that God will make known his wisdom by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. That would be Ephesians uh, chapter 3. What what do you think that means? He is showing his wisdom by the church to the prince in the, in the heavenly places. We have a ministry into the heavenly places as the body of Christ. And it's to show those powers that are there what time of day it is in Jesus' name. As a matter of fact, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. There's a whole heavenly ministry side to this Christianity thing. We've been squatting on it, pushing it under the rug, and offering it to these new ages and occultists and saying, here, you do all the spiritual stuff. We'll just sit here and twiddle our thumbs and look like a bunch of idiots, numbskulls, wasting time. Excuse my language. So, what I'm saying is, well, it's about time we graduate into an understanding of our position in the spirit realm as believers. We are the ones with the victory. We are the ones with the authority. We are the ones that were designed to use the very mechanics and principles of the spirit realm in our favor and leverage it against everything that the kingdom of darkness would manifest against us. Part of that conversation is portals. We have to understand that portals is how transactions in the heavens occur. Portals are how transactions in the heavens occur. I, I, I talk about sometimes how uh, God... God, he, he took me in his um, prayer experience years ago. And I was praying. And the next thing I knew, I was in heaven. I, I was just there. And God began to show me a whole bunch of things. It was really, really cool. And I'm not going to get into that whole experience right now. I've done it at other times. And I'll do it again in the future. Another context, whatever. I'm not going to give the whole story here. But at one point, he, he showed me some storerooms. And st the storehouses were just full of amazing things wealth and riches and gold and one another one had body parts I even saw uh, minerals and supplements and not maybe not supplements but vitamins um, it was for the healing of God's people and then he showed me how it worked he said, he said well look at this and I saw a cord extending from heaven to earth and the cord extended from heaven to earth to the person that someone was ministering to. And I, I saw that how faith and obedience worked in conjunction with the Spirit because the faith and the obedience was what opened that cord up or the portal up to the size necessary in order for whatever was being believed for to pass from heaven and into earth because the Bible is clear that the work was already finished, that we walk in works which were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2.10. The, 
there, there, there was this provision that came from heaven as the minister was ministering out of faith and obedience to God. And, and it passed through and then manifested, materialized in the person that was receiving ministry. See, faith is truly the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's evidence. It's not seen, but it is. It exists. It's there. I, I began to understand faith and ministry in a whole new level because I said, I don't need to beg God for anything. I need to get an agreement with heaven for everything. It's a total shift in paradigm. And what I began to understand is portal is a transaction. It's how transactions occur in the spirit realm. It's a gate. It's a doorway. It's a way things pass through from one realm to another. But I saw it in the spirit. But where is it in the word of God? Everywhere, all over the place. Let me tell you about it. And so there's all kinds of different portals in the Bible. And I I, uh, believe that one of the first manifestations of a portal that we see in the Bible occurs in the book of Genesis and it occurs at the time of the Tower of Babel. Yeah, that one. Very, very interesting story. Now, the Tower of Babel essentially begins its story in Genesis chapter 10 when we meet a character named Nimrod. Now, Nimrod was a mighty hunter and the, that language, being a mighty hunter named Nimrod, it, it really carries a connotation of a rebel who was one that had turned his face against God, just in the original language and word use. You, you find this language, Nimrod was not a fan of Jehovah. And the beginning of his kingdom was at Babel. And so when as we follow this story into Genesis chapter 11, we see that there's a group of people, the whole earth, and they are of one language. And they decide we're going to make for ourselves a tower. And they use this language about the tower they're going to make. They say, um, let us make brick, burn them thoroughly. And we'll have brick for stone. We'll have slime for mortar. And we're going to build a city and a tower whose top may reach to heaven. And of course, they built this tower in the land of Shinar, which is Babel or Babylon. And they did this for this purpose. They wanted to make a name for themselves, lest they be scattered abroad across the earth. Now, this does seem like a fairly innocent endeavor. You say, oh, well, they just want to build a tall tower. I mean, we have tall towers today, don't we? We have Willis Tower in Chicago. We have the Empire State Building in New York. Used to have the Twin Towers until they blew those up. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, the planes crashed and knocked them over. Whatever. Look, God has not stopped those kinds of projects. There have been building projects and they build tall towers and they just take men to the 155th floor, whatever have you. I mean, it's not like it's an affront to God per se, but this tower, for whatever reason, it got God very concerned. How do you know? Well, as we keep reading this passage, what happens is God actually comes down to look at the situation. So the story continues. It says, The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. Then he scatters them across the earth. 
God said, if they succeed in this thing, nothing will be restrained from them. See, and then God says, let's stop them. So God is concerned here about something that's about to take place. Now, what about a tall tower really concerns God? Really? Is he really concerned about a tall tower? And what we do with our Christianese, uh, the Western civilization, is we look at heaven and we just think air. They wanted to go up high in the sky. They wanted to build a tall tower that just went up where, where, where the oxygen gets thin. And, and, and what we fail to understand is an ancient perspective of what heaven means. Because as we look in the book of Genesis chapter 1, what we see is in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And that word heavens, Shemaim is a plural word, means the water in it. And that plural word means that there's more than one. And so when we look at any language dealing with heaven, we always have to bring into the discussion the idea that heaven is not limited to the sky. It also includes realms beyond earth on higher dimensional planes. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2-4 through four details Paul's account of how a man that he knew was caught up into the third heaven and into paradise. From that passage, we learn that there is a realm called third heaven that contains paradise. It's the realm of God. And we know that if God is the Lord Most High, then whatever realm he occupies is going to be the highest realm. So if the third heaven is the realm where he's found, then that's going to be the highest. But that means that there must be also a second heaven and likewise a first. Well, thank God for Ephesians chapter 12, which says, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 which says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places or the heavenly sphere. There's a realm of heaven that is beneath the third heaven where the powers of darkness camp. It's called the second heaven. There is no term in the Bible actually used called second heaven, but it's easily deduced by a straightforward reading of the word of God. It's the spirit realm. And in the spirit realm, the devil is camped out. He has his kingdom there. He also does warfare with the angels of the Lord there. It's where the angels do their battles in the realm of the second heaven. But if we have the third heaven and the second heaven, what is the first heaven? Well, it's the air we breathe. There is a heaven that is the air we breathe. In the book of Zephaniah chapter 1, we find that God is going to bring judgment. It talks about the fowls of the heavens. What, what heaven do the birds fly in? Well, for everyone that's ever been walking on the beach and had some jerk bird uh, fling some poop your way and get it on your bathing suit or shoulder, you know that the birds, they fly in the air that we breathe, the air over our head. By the way, that has happened to someone I know. We'll leave that story at that. The, the problem is that when we read this passage, Western thinking wants to assume that they are talking about that first heaven. But I, well, I disagree. I don't think God was very concerned about first heaven building projects. I think God was concerned about building projects that would extend men's ability into other planes, realms, and dimensions. And this is confirmed when we look at what people have said and written about structures known as ziggurats. What is a ziggurat? It's a step pyramid. They were used as high temples. 
not for public worship though. They were always believed to be a place from which gods would enter our realm from theirs. See, the idea that the Tower of Babel was simply a tall building is is pretty ridiculous in light of ancient beliefs. It was all about crossing realms. That's what men were after. How can we get to the other realms and how can we get these other realms in here? And this brings us to a conversation on a book known as the Book of Jasher. Now I'll say at the front end, I do not believe that the Book of Jasher deserves to be looked at as canon scripture or on the same level at all. And I don't even know if the Book of Jasher that we have today is the Book of Jasher that is endorsed by the Bible in several locations. I actually have a number of reasons to believe that it is not the same text and that there have been certain changes made. But there is something that we have today that is called the Book of Jasher. And I believe that, as I've read the entire document, uh, lots of its parts are true. There's a lot of truth in it. I don't know where all the truth starts and stops, per se, but I believe it warrants discussion and certainly consideration. And a portion of that text found in chapter 9 of the book of Jasher is very telling on this issue of the Tower of Babel, which is referenced in that text. And it says this, All the princes of Nimrod and his great men took counsel together, Phut, Mizraim, Cush, and Canaan with their families. And they said to each other, Come, let us build a tower, a city, with the tower's top reaching heaven, and we will make ourselves famed, so that we may reign upon the whole world, in order that the evil of our enemies may cease from us, that we may reign mightily over them, and that we may not become scattered over the earth on account of their wars. They all went before the king, and they told the king these words, and the king agreed with them in this affair, and he did so. And all the families assembled, consisting of about 600,000 men, and they went to seek an extensive piece of ground to build the city and the tower, and they sought in the whole earth, and they found none like one valley at the east of the land of Shinar, about two days' walk, and they journeyed there, and they dwelt there, and they began to make bricks and burn fires to build the city and the tower they had imagined to complete. And the building of the tower was unto them a transgression and a sin, they began to build it. While they were building against the Lord God of heaven, they imagined in their hearts to war against him and to ascend to heaven. And there you have it. See, as they were building this tower, they got it in their hearts. We're, we're going to do more than build a tall tower. We're going to build a tower that will allow us to war with God on his level, in his own realm. It, it's crazy. I mean, and of course, when you think about what that would have meant for them, they obviously didn't fully think this through. They, they would have gotten up there if they had succeeded and been impaled by the glory of the Lord. But I'll tell you what, um, God knows what other Pandora's boxes they would have opened up because how many other realms would they have connected to in addition to that? And whatever they were going to be able to do, God concluded, if they succeed in this, nothing will be restrained from them. We're going to stop them. So, if 
this is true, which I believe at least this part of the book of Jasher is at least very close to the truth of what actually happened there. We see that the Tower of Babel is an example of men attempting to use portal technology in ancient days. But it doesn't stop there. Um, it's it, it just keeps extending. There's so much on portals throughout the Bible. It's, it's wild. And I wrote a book recently called Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm. You wouldn't believe it. There are three chapters on this subject alone in that book. Not, not the Tower of Babel. I'm talking about the subject of portals. The thing about the Tower of Babel is that when we look at it and we begin to understand the conversation of portals surrounding it, it causes the whole story to make sense. And that's one of the things about this conversation of portals when you begin to look at where they are in the Bible. They, when we understand what's going on, provide the understanding that makes the rest of the text make sense. The next example is no different. And this example occurs with Abram, who later becomes Abraham. See, Abraham encountered a portal as well. And many people would say, well, wasn't that Jacob with Jacob's ladder when he put his head on the rock and saw the angels ascending and descending upon him. Wouldn't that be the, did you mean Jacob? No, that's another one. Uh, I'm talking about Abraham right now. now. Abraham had a really, really interesting situation occur. So he's without children. He has no heir. He's so concerned about a situation. He's telling God, listen, there's this guy, Eliezer. And he's from Damascus. He's going to end up inheriting all my stuff, God. All this bountiful increase and blessing that you have given me. Because I don't have any children that I have sired that are flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone that can inherit my stuff. And this is occurring in the book of Genesis chapter 15. Well, God comes to him and he says, listen, Eliezer isn't going to be your heir. You're, you're going to get to give all of your stuff to your own seed. And he proceeds to show him, look, 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 man, you see all those stars in the sky? Yeah, those that come from your loins are going to look like that. that they're going to be great in number. There's going to be so many. You can't count them. And Abraham actually believes God. But it's a, it's, it's a hard road. You know, this is a journey of faith because his wife gets old, then she's barren. He's old. It's just not making sense. It's not adding up. Of course, we know that Abraham did give birth, uh, father Isaac. That did happen eventually. But leading up to that, there, there's a number of things God walks Abraham through. He has Abraham prove his faith, and it's over a period of many years. I mean, this was a very tough journey that Abram, who later became Abraham, had to make. But at one point, God steps in and he says, you know, later on in the same book, Genesis 15, we're going to make a covenant about this one. We're going to make a covenant. And in order to establish covenant, there's always shedding of blood. I mean, in, throughout the Bible, there are a number of covenants established, each one of them involving the shedding of blood. The new covenant obviously established in the blood of Jesus. But before that, the, the Mosaic covenant, well, you see that there is a shedding of blood when the Hebrew boys, they are circumcised to enter into that covenant. Other people that enter 
into the religion of Judaism. They, they would get circumcised and then begin to circumcise their children. In other covenants, for instance, the Adamic covenant, God made coats of skins for Adam and Eve, and he had to kill an animal in order to do that. That was shedding of blood. That was establishment of the Adamic covenant. So there's covenants throughout the Bible. They all involve the shedding of blood. This one was no different. It's called the Abrahamic covenant. And God says, this is what you're going to do, Abraham. You're going to get a number of animals. Now, remember, we're, we're talking about portals, okay? So he said, you're going to get a number of animals. As a matter of fact, you're, you're, you're going to get a, a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old she-goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So he gets these animals. He says, you're going to cut them all in half except for the birds, and you're going to make a pathway. So he does that. He cuts all these animals in half, and of course, that's a mess. It's a mess. They bleed. This is not a pretty sight. But he kills the animals, cuts them in half, lays them out on the floor, blood everywhere. And it's exhausting. I mean, it's a lot of work. I don't know the last time you cut through a cow, but it, that's 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 a tough animal. That that's you got to cut through bone and muscle and tissue. I mean, it, this is a lot of work. So Abraham gets to the end of his day, cutting through these animals, laying them out according to the instructions of the Lord. He's tired, and the most amazing thing happens. The Bible says in Genesis fifteen twelve, the sun goes down and a deep sleep falls upon Abram. Okay, that makes sense. That's expected. But then the next part is really weird. It says, And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And every time I used to read that, I would think, A horror of great darkness? That's so strange. Why would a horror of great darkness fall upon him? Because the very next thing you see happening is that the God God shows up. And while Abraham's asleep, God walks through the animals all by himself. And he essentially establishes the Abrahamic covenant as an everlasting covenant that in Abraham's seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And in Abraham's seed, you know, all the, I mean, this promise was not going to fail. And it had nothing to do with Abraham at all because Abraham was not part of the covenant making process. He was asleep. He slept through the, he slept through it. And this is how God proves his faithfulness. He's like, Abraham, you know, you, you can't, you can't, Mess this up. I'm establishing this covenant based on who I am. Period. That's it. I am where the buck stops on this covenant. I am my own insurance on this covenant. You, there is nothing you can do to stop me from fulfilling my word on this covenant. It's amazing, right? Because Jesus Christ had to come as the seed of Abraham. Abraham wasn't going to mess that one up. Jesus Christ was going to come at the appointed time. So, So God ensured that there was no way this is going to get backdoored. Abraham couldn't screw it up. But before God shows up, what is this horror of great darkness? And I, I, for the longest, couldn't figure that out. It was just so weird. Not until I understood portals. And this takes me back to what I was saying before. Portals are all over the Bible, but you don't see them necessarily so you get some background. And what I had to understand first was that when portal activity is occurring in the Bible, there's this interesting phenomena that accompanies it. And it is the materialization of these clouds. 
and they can be very dark clouds. And what I realized once I began to see this pattern all throughout Scripture, that where where you see portals opening up into earth time space, there are dark clouds. It would have been the dark clouds that materialized as the Lord was opening up a portal into the earth in order to walk through these animals and establish this covenant that became the horror of great darkness upon Abraham. That cloud, which would have contained a reflection of God's glory, would have been a horror. And and, and darkness, see, that's the one that throws you because you think, oh, isn't God light and Satan darkness? Did Satan show up and become a horror of great darkness upon Abraham while he was sleeping and all that? Well, not, not really. If you understand that the portal that opens creates this cloud that could be a very dark cloud, which is Earth's response to the opening of a portal to bring in someone entering from another realm, you understand where you have room to... to for, for a horror of great darkness to come upon Abram. It's a cloud. Well, Daniel, where do you see that in another place in the Bible? How, how can you impose this upon this text? Where did you get the insight that a portal could have been opening here, creating a dark cloud? Well, let me tell you. Ezekiel chapter 1. See, because God has entered into earth on a number of occasions... This wasn't the first time that God showed up on a planet in a form for Abram. As a matter of fact, when God was moving to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, God came to Abraham with two angels physically. They had their feet washed. They ate food together. God came to Abraham that way. See, God can actually take a body, come on earth and meet with people. It, it's it's quite phenomenal. So here we see that God did, did come in and actually make that covenant. And there's other occasions where God has entered earth time space. Now Ezekiel chapter 1 is another example of that. And so we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 1 and then I'll come back and I'll make my point on Genesis chapter 15 before moving on to some of the other examples because there's such a plethora of them. There's so much that the Bible says on portals. It's really quite profound. But why do we need to understand portals? We're understanding how business gets done and how transactions occur between realms. Anyway, in the book of Ezekiel, you have this really strange thing that happens in chapter 1. I mean, it's just weird, strange, odd, wheels within wheels, four-faced creatures, so strange, spirit going in and out, torches of fire, someone sitting above the firmament. I mean, really, really strange stuff. When you read Ezekiel chapter 1 for the first time, if you're a baby Christian, forget it. No chance. I remember when I was in Bible school, I got my hands on Ezekiel chapter 1, and I read it, and I was like, that's just that's just dumb. God, why would you even put this chapter in the Bible? This is so weird. And, and, and I got frustrated, but then God's spirit got on my case. And so he made me read it over and over and over again. And he said, Daniel, you're going to get this. Just keep reading it. And I kept reading it over and over. And I mean, this went on for weeks. And I just kept reading it. And then I would ask people about it. I was like, well, what do you think Ezekiel chapter 1 means? Have, have you ever considered Ezekiel chapter 1? I got some of the strangest answers. Let me tell you. 
No one knows what's going on in Ezekiel chapter 1. It's just weird. That's the part of the Bible that you skip over and pretend like it's not there, you know, along with most of the book of Revelation and any other thing that you don't feel like figuring out for all these uh, <laughs> certain Christians. Anyway, I I couldn't, I, I couldn't just drop it. I, the Lord would not let me let it go. He said, you're going to get this. So I kept reading, I kept reading, I kept reading this passage. And then finally it clicked for me. And I realized what I was looking at. I was looking at the entrance of the throne of God into earth time space. And when I finally saw it, I couldn't believe that I had never seen it before. Because it's just very clear. See, because the four living creatures, they are about the throne of God. They surround it. And God sits on a throne And it is God who is speaking, going into Ezekiel chapter 2. And he has entered in. And so once I saw that, I mean, I have the great, it's amazing. We go through this whole passage in Bride Discipleship, the kingdom. We we have a whole day that we spent just on Ezekiel chapter 1 talking about the throne of God and what we learn about the function of his kingdom by uh, addressing his throne. It's it's amazing. And so, anyway, at a very surface level, though, when we understand that we see the throne of God entering in, we can understand some of the language that occurs in the front end of the passage in Ezekiel chapter 1. And so, once we get past the introduction, which gives us a date, it gives us Ezekiel's location, we read this. I looked, Ezekiel speaking, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire, also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. Now, we have to look here at several key elements. There's a whirlwind and a great cloud. Now, when I was talking about Abram, what I said was that when portal activity begins to manifest, you will see these clouds form. It's, it's very strange. Why Why the cloud? That seems to be a reaction that the earth makes to the opening of certain portals. Well, here it is. We see a, a great cloud and then fire enfolding itself. How do I know this is a portal? Keep reading. Brightness is about it. And out of the midst of this, as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire, there come these four living creatures. So that amber, that's that's the look and appearance of the portal, that fire enfolding itself. That's an element of this uh, tear or rip in earth time space to allow for a portal extending to another realm to bring in entities that are not from this dimension they're so weird they have four faces it's kind of like folding up a higher dimensional entity into a lower dimensional space that's they're so strange looking but that's to us that's to Ezekiel And when they come in, 
They are coming in. They appear from out of the midst of this thing. That's the portal activity I'm talking about. And when we understand that that is a portal and we look at that cloud manifestation, we can begin to make some biblically endorsed deductions. Because if God entered in with a portal, fire engulfing itself, and a cloud in Ezekiel, why wouldn't there also be a cloud when God tears open earth time space, opens a portal to walk through these animals with Abram? It's the same thing that's going on. There's going to be this, a similar manifestations. A cloud is one of the manifestations earth makes when these types of portals are opened. So what am I saying? I'm saying portals are all over the Bible. I'm saying we have an example of portals being referenced in the in the case of the Tower of Babel. We have another reference to a portal in the case of the covenant between Abram, who became Abraham, and God. We have another case of a portal in the book of Ezekiel chapter 1. We're talking about transactions, passageways between realms. And this is very significant because, see, they're trying to figure out technological ways to open portals. That's that's the whole basis behind CERN. They want to open black holes and uh, all kinds of things with, with the Hadron Collider. And so, so they're trying to repeat some of this stuff that we might be able to backdate to the Tower of Babel. They, they want to open earth, rips in Earth time space. They want to be able to do that. They want to bridge dimensions, look into these things technologically. And I can tell you, well, they're already doing it spiritually. I mean, I mean the Luciferians have been all over this for a long time. I had one person come on my program with Dr. Preston Bailey, who went by the pseudonym Liz. And and she said, the Illuminati have their laboratories in the other dimensions. And I can tell you that's an absolute fact because working with some of my clients, we've had to deal with some of these laboratories. I know that they are there. We, 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 We are far beyond the question mark does activity in other realms or dimensions matter or exist? But what we're talking about today, we're just talking about some of the basic mechanics for all of you to, to have the, the biblical foundation to understand that this is a relevant conversation. Portals are the gateways that allow for passage between realms and the heavens. And it's all over the word of God. So the conversation, though, it, it doesn't stop here. It, it, it doesn't stop with Abram doesn't stop with Ezekiel. It doesn't stop with the Tower of Babel. There are uh, portals that occur in the book of Exodus. Now, in the book of Exodus, God had essentially delivered the Israelites from the bondage and captivity of Egypt. They had been in Egypt for many years, 400 years, was the determined amount of time that they were supposed to be there. And when Moses came to deliver the people of Israel, he had to confront Pharaoh a number of times. God had to send plagues. Finally, Pharaoh let the people go. So they left. And then they went to the Red Sea, got stuck. Pharaoh pursued them. God opened up the Red Sea. The Israelites, they passed across that Red Sea. And God closes up the sea upon the armies of Pharaoh. And so they all die. 
Now, once the Israelites are in that wilderness, they have to receive their provision from God. They begin to get this daily manna. Um, and, and God provides for their needs. Their, their sandals never wear out. Their clothing never wears out. It, it's just miracle after miracle after miracle that begins to occur as you read through the book of Exodus. Well, there came a point in time where God, God manifested to the nation from a mountain. He manifested to the nation of Israel from a mountain. And it's it's really interesting to find what happens because, again, we encounter the same phenomena of thick, dark clouds. These thick, dark clouds that seem to occur whenever God is manifesting to this realm. As a matter of fact, in the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verse 9, it says, the Lord said to Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. See, God he came to Moses with this thick cloud. And uh, when God appeared on Mount Sinai to the nation of Israel, there, there was so much activity going on. They heard this loud trumpet blast. I mean, the whole nation, they were, they were just petrified of the glory and power of God so much so that they wouldn't even talk to him. They said, well, Moses, why don't you talk to God for us? The Bible says in Exodus 19, verse 16, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount. And the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Um, portal activity is so profound when you begin to look at it in the Bible, because this is exactly what happened. See, God opened up a portal to be on that mountain. So he came out of his realm and into ours. He was introducing himself to the nation of Israel. He's saying, hey, uh, if you thought those plagues that I sent were powerful, you should see me. I'm going to appear to you. I'm going to show you my glory and grandeur. People couldn't handle it. They said, Moses, you talk to him. And so when we see the portal activity, what we see is we, we also see some of the surrounding elements. The dark, the, the thick cloud present again. The same cloud that you see in Ezekiel chapter 1. The same cloud that explains the horror of darkness in Genesis 15 with Abram. Here it is again. God speaks to Moses in the cloud. When they see God on Mount Sinai, they see the cloud. And then they see something else, not just cloud. There are lightnings and thunders. It's very profound to me that lightning is nothing more than electrical discharge. And so there's electrical anomalies that are associated with the opening of portals. Now, isn't it interesting that in many cases of supposed poltergeist and demonic activity, electronics can go haywire? Yeah. What the heck? When UFOs are reported to show up, electronics can go haywire or just go down altogether. Very, very interesting phenomena occurs. 
why is it that it seems that from the spirit realm demons can manipulate electrical technologies or things that run off of electricity turn lights on and off turn radios on and off um create white noise i mean it's just really strange some of the manifestations that people report dealing with well portal activity is tied to uh, electrical anomalies it's very very powerful it's and it's right there staring us in the word of god it just amazes me the people you know they come to me like well daniel what do portals have to do with jesus christ in the bible what do they not They're all over the place. You can't even begin to discuss how God introduced himself to the nation of Israel without the conversation on portals. You can't even talk about the Abrahamic covenant where God said in you all the, uh, in, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Seed being that singular seed, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who was prophesied as a result of the Abrahamic covenant, came forth to redeem us from sins. And that covenant was established as God opened a portal um, to make that covenant based not on Abraham's qualifications, but on God's own. Portals have everything to do with the Bible. You know, these Christian knuckleheads run around and get on their high and lofty horse and say, well, you better not talk about that subject portals because you're just talking new age. Am I? Am I really talking new age here? What about Exodus chapter 19 is new age? When you can explain to me I, Exodus chapter 19 is new age, you'll have me. I'll bite my tongue on the subject of portals. When you can explain to me how Ezekiel chapter 1 is talking new age, okay, you'll get me there. When you can explain to me how Genesis 15 is talking new age, teaching new age, I mean, give me a break. This is all over the Bible. And you know, the most amazing thing is that as you begin to track through the word of God. Just do a study on clouds. Oh my gosh. It's like clouds are their own realm. I mean, but we're talking about what happens with portal activity. Anyway. Lightning and fire proceed forth from the throne of God. In Revelation 4, 5, we find that lightning actually does go out from the throne of God. Fire in Daniel 7, 10 proceeds forth from the throne of God. Electricity is also tied to portal activity. And it, and, it, and it's all very significant. I remember the day that I was going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I had heard about speaking in tongues and people told me about it. And my my mom actually had already received the gift and I thought it was pretty cool and I wanted to be able to do it. But I wasn't, you know, in, in, in a situation where I had someone to lay hands on me. And so I got a hold of this verse which said, well, if men being evil know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your father in heaven give uh, the Holy Spirit to them which ask. And so I said, well, God, I'm asking. And I believe that you can just give it to me. You, you, you can just simply baptize me in the Holy Spirit and I will receive the gift of speaking in other tongues right now. And so I got down on my couch and I began to kind of pray and I, I turned on some worship music in the background 
and I began to seek the Lord. And then the strangest thing happened. As I began to seek the Lord, the volume on the player was turned down. Yeah, a demon did that. You know, thank you for trashing my time with Jesus, demon. Uh, I so appreciate you. So, you know, I got the chills first and then I the, the music turned down. I devil really didn't want this one to happen. And so what I end up having to do is I end up having to pray and command demon in the name of Jesus. You get out of here in Jesus name. And then the music stopped getting distorted. I mean, this actually happened. It was like the, that, uh, the whole electrical manipulation thing. They were manipulating the, the volume on the music that I had turned on. And so after that got dealt with, I got back on my couch. And this was in my parents' house, by the way. I, I was still 17 at the time. So this was a long time ago. And... As I sought the Lord, I did end up receiving the gift of tongues that day. And it was amazing. I mean, it, it, that that moment for me felt like breathing for the first time. It was the, the most incredible feelings of joy and happiness and peace that just, just came over me as I received that gift from God. And it was very, very wonderful. Well, the Bible says in the book of Mark 16, 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name they shall cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues on that day i did both in that exact order very interesting and so what, what i'm saying though is that there was this element here i actually encountered in that on that day that electrical anomaly thing coming from the demonic that's associated with portal activity i we didn't have a cloud we didn't go that far it wasn't that profound of an event here but there's a lot of things that begin to get explained as, as we just begin to mosey into this, the, the conversation on portals. And what we're talking about is understanding the, the basis for how transactions occur in the heavens. There's a very, very significant reason for having a conversation about portals. And the end game is that we are portals because many Christians we, we look at ourselves like we are way down here on earth while God is way up there in heaven and oh look at me I'm a no good low down worthless sinner whatever shall I do except humble myself under the uh, just the horrors of the enemy and survive until I get to die and, and go and be with God and this view is so backwards and twisted because see God has raised us up and seated us with Christ in heavenly places. So we're tied to his realm and earth. And because of the trans-dimensional nature of our spirit, we actually become God's portals into the earth. And we we function that way through faith and obedience and intimacy with God. We are able to actually portal heaven into the earth. One of the most amazing comments that Jesus said, and, and this one blew my mind when God finally unpacked this to me, is that, you shall see the angels of the Lord ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The angels were ascending and descending upon Jesus. What does that mean? Jesus Christ operating as a fully developed New Covenant believer. He was a prototype. He came to show us everything that God had in store for us in the New Covenant. As a matter of fact, 
he, he so wanted this solidified in our minds that he said, the works that I do, you will do, and greater works also will you do because I go to the Father. So he, he was a prototype. He's saying, look, look at what you can do. And he said, you will see the angels of the Lord ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. <laughs> when God opened up my understanding to this, I, I just had to like go, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Because what we see in the book of Genesis is that the angels of the Lord is, are ascending and descending upon this ladder. And Jacob sees it when he lays his head upon a rock. And they're going between the second and the third heaven. And he sees them going up and coming down. Well, there's a passage between realms there, that ladder. But when Jesus came, he was integrally tied to heaven, just like we are in him. And he said the angels of the Lord are sending and descending, not upon a ladder, upon me. He said, I am the ladder. He said, I am the door. When Jesus said, I am the door, he said, I am the portal. There's only one way to the Father, and that is through the door that is Jesus Christ. He said, well, I'm the door. So all of this language opens up begin, when you begin to understand Paul. You can't see it. Jesus said that you'll see the angels of the Lord ascending and descending upon me. In other words, the, that spirit of Jesus Christ was the portal that allowed the angels of the Lord to make entrance and exit into earth realm activity associated with his ministry. He opened wide the doorway of heaven. Everywhere Jesus went, everybody got healed. I mean, it was just amazing, a slaughter fest of goodness and mercy and grace of God. We are designed in Christ Jesus to be the gateway of heaven into the earth. Jesus Christ isn't the only one that can have the angels of the Lord ascending and descending upon him. That is also for you and I. <laughs> you know, when, when a person really begins to understand kingdom and connect to God in that way and on that level, what you see is that they dominate every environment they, they, they occupy. They just sit in a room and take over the whole atmosphere with their presence because it is the presence of God and it is the resources of his kingdom flowing through them in such a profound way that it just changes things. It challenges the whole atmosphere around them. Jesus couldn't go anywhere without people noticing who he was. The angels of the Lord ascended and descended upon him. See, the Bible, it calls us temples. It calls us temples. And you see a lot more uh, portal activity occurring with temples. See, because God, he would come into the Holy of Holies once a year. The temple in Jerusalem was designed to be that interface point between heaven and earth. It was designed to be that interface point between heaven and earth where God would come in. So he would come into earth through the temple. But then God said, you're the temple. In the new covenant, we become the temple. So God comes into us. The Holy Spirit abides in us and seals us under the day of redemption. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, He was joined to the Lord as one spirit with him. Portal activity. Hello? God came in through the temple. What do you think he wants to do through you? Anyway. 
There's a lot to discuss regarding portals. And I'm going to have to do another program in the future on portals because I'm going to close this one here. There's a lot to talk about regarding portals. And if you want more on portals, <laughs> check out my book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions, and the Spirit Realm. I'm you, I have three chapters of this stuff. There's so much to be said. There's so much meat. There's so much to digest and to dialogue about. And this really is important because when you understand what God is trying to do through portals, you can begin to understand what the devil is doing through portals. Because I'll tell you what, the devil is portaling stuff all over the heavens, including some of your inheritance you should be having in Christ Jesus. But it's been hijacked and stolen from you, hidden, squatted on, occupied, and carted away. The devil's transacting things all over the heavens. As a matter of fact, the Bible says Babylon has its own trade. They trade in the souls of men. They portal that stuff around the heavens. There is so much that the devil does with portals. And high-level deliverance means you cut the portals off and shut them down in Jesus' name. Deliverance from principalities. They're interfacing with people and their entrance points exist through portals. I did a whole program called uh, Deliverance from Principalities. And we talk about cutting off their portals. This conversation on portal has so many applications. And so we got to go through it. What are the foundations for it in the Word of God? You, you got a number of them today. The Tower of Babel, the Abrahamic Covenant, Ezekiel chapter 1, Exodus chapter 19, when God showed up in Mount Sinai. Folks, next week, we plan to do this official launch of our e-church, the Fireplace Church, on April 15th, unless something goes horribly wrong, and I am declaring it will not. I'm hoping to see you all there. www.thefireplacechurch.org is where it's going to happen. Folks, until next time, I'm telling you, God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.